Today on the Topping Show, Bud Light to pay to haul their swill away. California passes bill to stop stores from stopping thieves. Twitter fined $250 million for music copyright infringement. Prelly tires, you have Italy versus China. The Flash movie flickers and dies. Minnesota gay bar drops Bud Light. Elemental movie flops. Nicola to lay off more employees. Ford highlights the threats of EVs from China. And American Airlines subsidiary is fined $15,000 for an employee that got sucked up into a jet. Quite literally. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added resource and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, see the founder released twice a day. God say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That's the joke. If you're an IT leader, business owner, need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have music publishers suing Twitter for $250 million. Now, this comes from a group of 17 publishers, and they claim that years of copyright infringement have taken place under the platform, and things have only gotten worse under Elon Musk. Now, specifically, they allege that Twitter has, for years, unfairly benefited from copyright infringement by allowing users to share unlicensed music, while competitors such as TikTok, Meta, and Snapchat all pay licensing fees. Now, this is according to a report by The Guardian. This group apparently wants $150,000 in statutory penalties per violation, and of course, there's thousands of violations. And I can't help but wonder, why now? Well, my three cents is Elon is just going against the grain when it comes to companies, entrepreneurs, and business owners. Because quite literally for years, these music companies didn't give a damn because it was already taking place on Twitter. And now, all of a sudden, now they're in a, they're in a hubbub. Now, now, now they're fiercely irate. And I can't help but think that is not a coincidence that it's just because Elon bought the company. And time shall tell to see if they fight it out in court or how that battleground works. We shall see. Other interesting business news, you have Nikola laying off 270 employees. That's quite a bit. Now, many people might remember Nikola as the scam, vaporware. It is a BS company that was founded by a duplicitous lifetime scam artist. He claimed to have this breakthrough technology that's going to revolutionize hydrogen transportation and it's just going to be the best thing since sliced bread. He claimed, of course, that they had proprietary technologies that would help revolutionary the whole iteration of how do you actually produce hydrogen and transport hydrogen profitably, which in terms of the bottleneck, the technologies, that's why EVs are more efficient technically speaking, at transporting energy than hydrogen. Hydrogen takes a lot of energy to actually compress it, transport it. So for now, right now, in terms of efficiencies, that is the best. Well, actually, no. The best is going to be buying a Toyota Corolla with an inline four-cylinder internal combustion engine because those will last a million miles. But EVs are green-looking. They seem green for everyone. Everyone loves them. Long-term consequences or actual life cycle the product be damned but so you had the founder and he was ousted actually investigated by the sec and that, that the founder of nicola being trevor and it's not 
too surprising it was all vaporware, but then they tried to pivot. I mean, there's so many scams about this. Their prototype, they had a video of the truck moving because people accused them like, oh yeah, you're, you don't even have a moving prototype for the hydrogen truck. Yeah, it's because they pushed it down a hill. That was literally how they got a video of their truck in motion. They pushed it down a giant hill, which is appropriate for like an elementary school project maybe, but for a company that claimed to be revolutionary and bringing new technologies, no. And in fact, even when they had the truck at their premier auto shows, they claimed it was fully, it wasn't, a, it wasn't just a rolling chassis as you go to a lot of automotive shows and debuts, they'll have the vehicles there and it's kind of a mock-up and under the hood, it's not done yet. They claimed it was fully done and then someone pointed out there's an extension cord powering the whole truck. But I digress, a scam company from day one they got rid of the CEO, they got rid of a lot of the executives, and they claimed that they were going to pivot to EV trucks, or an EV SU, or um, rather, semi-trucks specifically. And with this reduction in staff laying off 270 employees, they have about 900 employees left. And they claim that with the staff reduction, they're going to reduce, save the company $50 million annually, with the goal of reducing costs by $400 million by 2024. You see this number crushing across every industry, especially automotive is this one of the most competitive ones. But it's also one of those things where if the company was rotten from day one, I can't help but think many, again, not all the employees, but many of the folks there working there were in on the scam and to pivot the whole company to try to become legitimate, it's an uphill battle. And they're used to just pushing things downhill, pun moderately intended. So. Time shall tell to see if the company actually makes it through this. Um, as Magic, All, Magic 8-Ball might say, Outlook is not so good for them. Now, speaking of other automotive news, you have Ford coming out and raising the alarm against EVs coming out of China. Now, this is the, coming from the current Ford chairman, Bill Ford. He's actually the great-grandson of Henry Ford, who obviously, or not obviously, I guess, history isn't taught in the United States anymore. It's quite sad. Now, I should have to clarify that. Henry Ford invented Ford and revolutionized the automotive industry with the production line. And that I just provided probably more valuable information than most elementary schools in the United States these days, unfortunately. Although fortunately for you, more data. But this comes from the chairman of Ford and he's saying that the US is not ready to compete with China when it comes to the production of EVs, which I don't want to say of course, but yeah, China's manufacturing dominance of the planet, there's nothing to slow them down. They don't have unions, OSHA. I mean, they, they there's a very little red tape over there. They can just pump out units, whatever it is, iPhones, cars, TVs, everything. They don't have the EPA kneecapping every industry over there as well. That's probably a big benefit. Now, specifically when he was being interviewed, the Ford CEO noted that they, they developed very quickly and they developed them in large scale and they are now exporting them. They're not here, but they'll come here. We think at some point we need to be ready and we're getting ready. In terms of production, China's electronic vehicle exports are expected to almost double this year, which is going to help them overtake the nation of Japan as being one of the largest car exporters in the world. Now, Japan, they're catching up to the EVs. Toyota's going to be putting a huge investment behind the technologies. In terms of China's production, in 2022, they exported 679,000 EVs. Right now, they're on track to hit 1.3 million EVs in 2023. 
which is a huge feat in and it of itself. And of course, depending on what, if the United States slaps a tariff on them, there's no way you're going to be able to beat China on price. As I previously just said, it is pretty much a the Wild West. There is literally very few things to slow them down. And yet you come to the United States and you have prohibitive cost of labor. You have unions, you have safety regulations. I'm not saying all safety regulations are, are good or bad. I'm saying they do inherently slow down the production process. I'd argue some of them are bad too, but I digress. There's a lot more hurdles to overcome in the United States. So outlook is not so good in terms of how's the U.S. going to compete with that? Mm, well, I don't know if the U.S. could have better technology all day long, but in terms of outputting the greatest number of units, that's where the U.S. is going to struggle, I believe. Other interesting business news, you have Raytheon winning a $264 million U.S. Navy contract. Now, this is a contract specifically to produce the Sidewinder missiles. The new weapon will be in operation by late summer 2026, with the contract to produce 571 short-range AIM-9X Sidewinder missiles. So if you do the math, that's about, actually isn't about, it's precisely $462,346.76 per missile. Now, Granted, that's a little deceptive because that does include, include the total cost, you know, research, development, employee salaries. It's not actually the cost of just the components to create the missile. So when someone tells you, oh yeah, it costs X dollars to produce per item, always ask what's the scope of that number or what does it include or exclude? So there's a lot of other things there. Now in terms of value to the U.S. government, the U.S. taxpayer, it is kind of a triple threat in that in regard to their usage. Now. They can be used for air-to-air -air engagements, surface attack, and surface launch missions without any modifications. So probably something that the U.S. military is going to appreciate since you could probably put a fiscal savings in terms of training the soldiers on which, eh, if you could do more, that's less training you have to do the soldier. You have to spend training the soldiers in regards to how do you interact with this new weapon, how is it incorporated into the armory, how is it being used. It seems to be the same weapon, just has different uses. So in terms of maintenance, all that kind of stuff, might be a good value. And of course, it is the only reason the United States is a, even a, a flicker of what it used to be in terms of global dominance is research development and production of the military industry. It's one of our biggest exports to other countries as well, which helps the United States fiscally though. Many people don't bring up those notes. It's a reality as well. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have the Flash movie. Flickers, dim, and apparently dies. Now, The Flash is a movie that starred the controversial Ezra Miller, which does have the benefit of having a unique name, E-Z-R-A. Although it's so bizarre, kind of raises some eyebrows, like what's going on here? Well, in this case, the suspicions are correct. Now, this person has allegations of grooming children, having a cult-like environment, and it gets worse. It's... He was arrested for second-degree assault after throwing out a chair at a woman and even has allegations of physical assault, even a video of him choking a woman and slamming her down. And she obviously was not prepared for that. She, she came up to him very jovially, and he, out of nowhere, did that. Now, one would think, oh my gosh, that is abhorrent. Who could possibly tolerate this? That's... 
that's disgusting. That's ew. We would never have this person star in another role again. Let's cancel this person. However, it is 2023, and Ezra, I believe, saw the writing on the wall. So, in terms of a chess move of Hollywood or a career chess move, Ezra just happened to change his pronouns to was it they? Wait a minute, they them. Which in Hollywood, there's a big social currency around that right now, and all of a sudden he's he or they is starring in The Flash, one of the biggest movies, or allegedly, not so much, but it was going to be a big movie. Now, in terms of this sociopathic, this sociopath, I think it's, and I say that for many reasons. I think it's, you know, I could say it all day long, but let's let's hear it. This is the interaction where again he's been arrested multiple times, and this is him in the back of a police car. I didn't do enough research to know if this person's transitioned. I also know, depending on who you talk to, that doesn't matter. Nevertheless, this is um, whatever this per this person in the back of a police vehicle after they were arrested. And let me crank up that volume for a second here. I don't think that's true. Pretty sure it's not. In Canada, it is. Other countries, there are many laws around the topic, but no. Please call me they, them, theirs. I'm, my bad. I forgot theirs. That, no. Is that new? Wait. Please call me they, them, theirs. Okay, that's, I'll add that to the notes. I did not know that. What? Is your body cam still on? Yeah, sit down. Sure it's on. Yeah, it's on. It's on. It is kind of funny when I don't know why Ezra would want this video footage getting out. Wait, but now this person's Judaism. A lot of points that don't make any sense now it will not be too given that all that's being said you shouldn't be too surprised to know that this had the second worst opening in pixar's history which is saying quite a bit now it's projected to end with a worldwide box office of under 350 million dollars now the flat that means that the flash is on track to lose 300 million dollars it's in spite of having one of the fanciest looking trailers i've seen all year they had all the fancy CGI you could possibly imagine. A whole data center went into just computing that little preview. They even got Michael, he pulled, I feel so bad for him, they pulled Michael Keaton into this. And he being one of the original Batmans, I guess there's some time travel in this movie and some, well, they don't even use a DeLorean, so it's kind of cheating in my opinion, but they go back in time and Michael Keaton's Batman, which is almost enough for me to go see it because he's a great actor. And, but no. All of that, the movie is apparently flopping. And the people that are having the good comments, I can't help but think they have no idea about the backstory of that. But time shall tell to see how much it really does lose. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have a Minnesota gay bar dropping Bud Light as the Bud Light controversy ripple continues to spread throughout every, seemingly every bar and every business that's being affected by them. 
Now, this is a downtown Minneapolis bar. They specifically dropped the Anheuser-Busch products of Head of Pride and replaced it with local breweries. So there's, there's an upside right there. Again, supporting local, your dollar will always go further when you're supporting local. Now, this comes from John Moore. He is the owner of the saloon. And he said that Anheuser-Busch had an opportunity to support a marginalized community in a way that few other corporations have attempted, but the company abandoned that direction. Further, he explained, quote, I'm so protective of doing business with people who have integrity and don't get into anti-queer agenda, unquote. Which again, I thought that was a pejorative term, but now it's good. Or maybe it depends who says it. I was quoting him, but this just goes to show you when you do nothing, you piss everyone off. Because Bud Light, again, they hired a trans activist whose average audience age is about 15 years old. And... So that pissed off people on the on the right, politically speaking, and they further went on to instead of instead of standing up when controversy happened, they kind of tried to sweep it under the rug or they didn't address it, and then you have conservatives critiquing the Dylan folk, and Bud Light didn't say anything. So by saying nothing, and then they had a press release saying, "Oh yeah, we're just a beer company. We we just make a, a product everyone wants to sit around and poison themselves with." They didn't stand up for Dylan, thereby pissing off people on the left. So now you have gay bars also dropping the product, as well as the original, um, not straight bars, I don't know what you call it, normal, average bars, whatever you call them. Everyone, many people are dropping this product, not just one group of people. So they successfully alienated many sides of the political aisle, and I'm not too surprised that their stock is precipitously dropping again and again. And again, I wish I could have shorted their stock. Hindsight is always 2020. Now, other interesting cultural news you have Elemental, which was a movie. That movie also flopped. Now, this actually had the worst opening in Pixar's history with a mere $29 million domestically, which for a blockbuster movie like that or a movie that comes from a kind of staple of the production industry. They've had a track record. This is a company that made Toy Story, which at the time was a revolutionary use of CGI and we had great voice actors back when there wasn't any political crap in movies. A nice little refresh. And now they're, they got a mere $29 million. Now, it's always important to say, okay, $29 million sounds like a lot of money. Well, it's always, well, it really is all relative. It's relative to the production cost. Now, the production cost of the movie was estimated $200 million. Now, keep in mind, that's how much it costs to produce the movie. The average kind of the industry practice is whatever it costs to produce the movie, you usually spend about the same or more on advertising the movie as well. For some weird reason, they always have the costs differentiated from each other. There's probably some accounting or tax purposes, but Nevertheless, that's usually the rule of thumb. So this movie is, there's no possible way it's going to break even. Because again, I forget which website or forum said it, but they say that about 70% of a movie's box office is, is generated within the first one or two weeks. It's, again, averages. But to make a comeback, for, I just don't see that happening. And there are a couple critiques that are coming from the film community. That's probably... A filmography community? There's probably a fancy cool term or acronym about that community I don't know about yet. If you know about it, let me know in the comments. 
Now, this movie also had an issue in which they were they-them characters, which conservative parents probably wouldn't want to show their kids that material. And a lot of them are also saying that they've never really recovered since the COVID lockdown when they changed their business model so that all their movies were premiering on Disney+. Plus. So if you've conditioned your audience to always know that our movie's going to be on Disney+, Plus no matter what, and it was premiering on there to move them back to movie theaters, that's going to be kind of an uphill battle in and of itself. I mean, time shall tell, but I don't see this movie. There's no fiscally possible way I could possibly comprehend this breaking even, or yet alone making money. But time shall tell, maybe. We'll see. Other interesting culture news, speaking of Bud Light, Bud Light is actually going to pay distributors and their wholesalers to take their beer back. Now, one of the biggest issues is their beer is not, their beer is moving so slowly or not at all in some cases, it's expiring on the shelves. Which, in terms of grocery and retail, that's one of the worst possible outcomes you could, you could ever fathom. I mean, especially when it comes to consumables, things that you eat or drink, traditionally they move pretty darn quick on the grocery store shelves. That's one of the reasons you have places like Walmart where they don't make a lot of money per unit on the grocery items. It's a very small percentage. The grocery industry is pretty cutthroat. It's usually one to 2% profit, but it's because you're moving such a great volume of the units, you could then make a profit, then reinvest, grow the company, pay your employees. Some might say that's just a McDonald's analogy. Pretty much, yes, it is. But to have it expiring to the point where they actually are going to pay them. So they specifically actually told distributors they're going to pay and re reimburse them for, quote, freight and fuel, unquote, surcharge through the end of 2023 as more and more cases of Bud Light languish on the source shelves. Now, again, when it comes to the whole Bud Light fiasco, this is doing this for distributors is kind of nice, but at the same time, it's just slapping a band-aid on the bigger issue. Same thing as them saying, oh yeah, we're gonna sponsor you know, country and football games. Okay, you've already done that for decades. You're not really changing anything. So yeah, enough for not being original for marketing. But you're not addressing the main issue that alienated many of your current clients. And I don't see how just paying distributors to haul some beer away is really gonna help you because if you're a distributor, that's, again, not going to be cohesive to your long-term business outcome. And a lot of those independent breweries, or rather, more importantly, more accurately, those independent wholesalers or independent distributors, they're probably going to look at other products that sell quicker, have a little less controversy, and they actually do not have to take back, which, again, that's one of the worst things in retail that can possibly happen. But I digress. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have... California Senate passes a bill to prevent businesses from stopping theft. And no, you, this just should not really come as a surprise. You, this is a, this is a trend in California to allow crime to become rampant and average consumers to become more and more in being put in more and more dangerous situations. Now, this is specifically in reference to Senate Bill five five three, which passed by a vote of twenty five yay to eight nay. So they want this policy. The people vote for the representatives and they vote for these policies. So you get exactly what you vote for. Now, this is coming off of last week when we reported 
one of the largest mall operators in the United States is leaving San Francisco because the crime, the drugs, the theft, the occupancy rate of their mall was 53%. And some might say the malls are dying. They're average. So that was the one store, it was the Westfield Mall specifically. So I had a 53% occupancy, which means 53% of this whole mall had stores there trying to make a living. If they looked at the United States average for all the other stores, it was in the 90s. So it's not just an industry thing where malls are dying. It's specifically that area for the reasons I mentioned prior. Now, this would bill would prevent employers from asking non-security personnel to confront a person involved in criminal activity. The California bill, if enacted by law, would also require employers to provide active shooter training to workers, keep a log of any violent incidents, and allow companies to apply for workplace violence restraining orders. Now, that is one of the most... Now, this law is actually beyond moronic and morally vacuous as well, since you're taking away more people's ability to defend themselves. But they say, keep a log of all the violent activities. Why? Your district attorneys will not prosecute them. If you look at, remember Whole Foods? One of the most left, in terms of political affiliations, they're extremely left-wing, headquartered in Austin, Texas. They had to abandon their San Francisco store because within about, I think, 13 months, they filed over, eight, I believe, 834 police reports. And all, not just three or four, all of their carts were stolen. So they're saying to keep a logbook. Keep a logbook and maybe we'll do something. You won't. That's just, again, useless paperwork, useless tying up of business resources. And even the California Retailers Association was mocking the move as an open invitation for thieves to, quote, come in and steal, unquote. Which I never thought I would agree with a California association. But in this case, they're quite on point because... Yeah, every retailer business owner should be fervently against this bill because it will negative impact the company. It just empowers thieves more and more. They don't, they don't, not even, they, they, on top of passing a law that says they basically will not prosecute anything stolen on below $900 or $950, $950, they actually move down the classification of the crime to, I believe, is now misdemeanor, and they're not prosecuting it. Which is why people, there's myriads of videos on the internet of people going in stores, stealing things, and leaving. And nobody stops them, which, again, inherently, it's a vicious cycle. It just gets worse and worse and worse. You're not just like the Bud Light thing. It's all they're all abdicating fully from their responsibility, not addressing the problems head on. And I know people, many businesses argue that their insurance rates might go up. They have employee liability. As a society, I think we need to get come together with these insurance companies and talk about what's the moral implications and what's the societal downside of this current policy because the current policy is not working the thefts are increasing target is, is projected to lose 400 million dollars in theft in 2023 400 million products just gone that's that's more money than most people can possibly comprehend in a lifetime and that's just how much money they're losing in just materials walking off the store shelves this problem is only going to get going to get worse and worse and worse until we hire district attorneys to actually prosecute people and do their jobs, yes. We also need to change the laws, talk to the insurance companies to say, this might hurt you in the short term. Yes, bad, it is unfortunate. There is a risk of bad things happening. But you should always give your employees the chance to defend themselves. Well, unless you're in California, you're not allowed to do that, unfortunately. But it's one of those instances where, what's the, 
even even just a fiscal if you're an insurance company the fiscal long-term impact of this is not good because these businesses are losing money on inventory most of the time i would suspect they fire an insurance claim since they have some type of insurance around theft what's that long-term cost compared to let's get hard on crime and give businesses the power to say hey if you threaten our employees or steal our products it's not going to happen again you're either going to be stopped permanently you're going to be thrown in jail we're going to prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law so it's not a single variable issue you need to have all these groups of people and all these organizations come together but if you do that retailers will once again be secure provide a secure great experience for the end user everyone will profit and society will be infinitely better and it's just i i can't imagine the struggle being a business owner in california that's not only are people leaving the state in droves, but you have, you have increasing taxes and I mean, it's just, it's gotta be rough. And I feel for those business owners, I implore them to leave the state as soon as humanly possible. And I don't, again, I'm, I've been following this for a while. I don't see a business moving to California. There's been over four, I mean, hundreds of businesses leaving California in the past 24, 36 months, especially. I've yet to find a single, single one move to California. Let me know in the comments if you've seen a single one. I would, I'd be, I'd be shocked. Now, other political news: you have Pirelli, you have Italia or Italy versus China, which some might wonder how on the earth is a tire company, a, a political thing. Where you have, I was about to say superpowers. Italy is not a superpower. They're like, in terms of the hierarchy, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a good analogy for Italy. Don't get me wrong, if, if it was not for Italians fighting each other, getting angry at each other, we wouldn't have a lot of the, there'd be much fewer sports cars on the road. I mean, Ford versus Ferrari, those two companies insulting each other leading to some of the best cars ever. Although they, nowadays they're all automatic and boring. But they used to make great stick shift vehicles as well, such as the Lamborghini LP640, one of the best supercars ever. But I digress. Now, the Italian government is trying to rein in Pirelli's largest shareholder, which is Sinochem, which gets an F for marketing, because I don't know, they're not a chemical company, they're like a holding company. And Sino is just a weird name. I don't know, it must it might stand for something, but not very inspiring. Now, Sinochem, perhaps that's a point to be mysterious, you don't know what they are. Well, I'll tell you. They're a investment firm owned by the Chinese government. They currently have a 37% stake in Pirelli tires which Pirelli is, does more than tires, yes, but that's what we know them for, in the States at least. And Sinochem has 60% of the seats on the board of directors, which, again, the board of directors has a lot of sway with how the business is run. And if you already own 37% of the company, yeah, they're pretty foolish to let that happen. Now, the Italian government is calling on its, quote, golden power, unquote, Regulations which are designed to protect assets of strategic importance to the country. Now, the Italian government said that Torelli's cyber tire, which uses chip technology to collect vehicle data, is, quote, configured as a critical technology of national strategic importance, unquote. Which, again, I'm one of those people where we don't need technology everywhere. A tire sensor, that might be nice to show the air pressure, although it's not really necessary. So again, a luxury. People don't know people do not know the differences between necessity and luxury anymore. That's like a life lesson we need to reinstate in American values or education systems. But 
Now, apparently, this is allowing them to track these vehicles all over. And this one, I think it's more of a... I would think it'd be better just to keep them independent just for a national security if you're making tires for a lot of their vehicles. And I assume Pirelli probably has some government contracts where you do need tires for military vehicles and military assets, government vehicles. And in that case, yeah, there's no way you would want someone else being able to track those tires. I don't know why you would invent that to begin with, but yeah, that, that I think would be a valid national security concern. Now, in order to set a host of limitations on Sinochem's involvement with Pirelli, including bar it on devastating the country's strategic and financial plans, or appointing a, a CEO, they will be, again, utilizing the Golden Power Regulations. Which, it's a good thing they, they had those regulations because they already had 37% of the stock. I mean, all you need is 51% and you own it. You have a majority say in the company. But they already basically had that because they have 60% of the board members. So I don't know how Pirelli allowed that to happen. Maybe they just needed some quick investment funds or it's just a long-term overtake. But yeah, it's interesting to see even tires are not a political issue, which again, is perhaps a good use case of why every business should be aware of kind of the global economy and who's investing in your company. And politics, again, it all is all interconnected. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have an American Airlines subsidiary fined $15,000. Now, this is a regional subsidiary of American Airlines, and specifically they were fined $15,625 by the federal safety regulators for the ground for the death of a ground crew worker. That's, unquote, that's a poorly worded um, headline because they got sucked into the jet and they were ground up. So that was in poor taste um, article I read this in. Poor taste. I think this is Reuters. Now this took place over in Alabama with a company, the subsidiary is actually called Piedmont Air Airlines, which sounds a lot as exciting than American Airlines. That's why the headline is the big company headquartered over in Fort Worth, Texas. Now this is despite continuous training and warnings and safety guidelines and an investigation by the National Transportation Safety Board found that Edwards, 34, was, is this quote, ingested into the engine while on the ramp at Montgomery Regional Airport, unquote. And the invest, it looks like the person disregarded safety procedures. And that's not to say this isn't a tragic incident and it is a rough situation. It's interesting that they paid, they're still fine that. Now, there was, it is a little bit tragic, or more than tragic than I thought. This person had three children. Now, the good, the little silver lining, maybe a little restoration of a little bit of your faith in humanity, not that there's, it's pretty low, so any, any increase is exponentially good on a percentage base. Now, there was a GoFundMe set for the three children, and the initial goal was $25,000. And within a couple hours, it hit $114,000. So there's a little silver lining or a, obviously money is never going to be a replacement for a person. It's, it's not apples to apples. You can never have that comparison, but it does help them with the situation. And it's nice to see people come together. And perhaps this is a feel good story of the day in terms of people came together in order to help these people out, which I think we need more of these days, to be quite frank. But to have an issue where a business, it's a, it's a dangerous environment 
I don't know if the issue is they need to set up more guide rails or even more procedures, but again, this doesn't make the airlines look good. And this is a time where most people already aren't very, not really overly exuberant about the experience of being on an airplane or paying fees. So to have an actual death on their watch, that's unfortunately, that's gotta be the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Can't thank you enough for you taking the time to like, subscribe, and comment. Each one of those things greatly helps the channel grow and develop. I greatly appreciate your feedback as well. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe. Fight the good fight.